0: And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We're in James chapter two, verses 14 to 26, with guest speaker, Dan Abbott, and his message, Faith Works.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Dan Abbott, and I'm one of the deacons here at Hollyview. And obviously, as you heard through the prayer that Joel, who is the pastor of Hollyview, is not here. He's actually um, preaching at the church about the biblical theology of fundra- or for fundraising, biblical theology, <laughs> wow, <laughs> biblical theology of baptism. And it's funny, another thing that's funny is that we were going through like back and forth on, on my sermon and his sermon, and we really, at the end of it, we both agreed that what I have to preach this morning is more difficult than what he has to preach this morning. But I still consider it an opportunity to be here with you this morning I too, uh, so I live in Welches, and so we're right there at the base of Mount Hood, not too high in elevation, but we've already gotten about a foot of snow last week and we have another foot coming this week. And so we've been enjoying shoveling, we've been enjoying sledding. Um, I believe I've gotten a cold from it. It's not COVID, I tested myself this morning just so I could tell you that I do not have COVID as you hear me speak with this deeper type of voice. So with that, I have this opportunity to continue our series in the book of James, okay? And so we're almost halfway through the book of James. We're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them to James chapter 2. And then also, if you are able, I would ask you to stand as we read this, these verses. Verses 14 through 26 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to be here together this morning um, we are grateful for community, Lord. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that has brought us here today. I ask God is that as we look into these, uh, these verses, Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, Lord, that you would really open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you are communicating through James in this text today. Again, Lord, we are so grateful to be here today and expectant on you speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, last year... Uh, around April, Anna and I got to go on a vacation to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Now, before the vacation, we had a really just long three years or so, a lot of health issues in our family. And not only that, but we were just working hard at various things in our lives. Something that you may or might may not know about me, I really struggle with this idea of getting value or identity From doing things, right? I love to do things. I love checking off the list. Uh, If you asked me how my day was, I'd be like, well, let me tell you what I did. That's the value I have in doing things, okay? And I've realized this, and God has been opening my mind to this, especially in that three years of this kind of like just stressful time, hard time, just a time where I was just like almost having to do something just to not think about the the other things that I had to do. And so, we decided that we were going to celebrate the fact that we got through this three years and that my wife and I, Anna, are going to go to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, okay? And the best way to do that, just so you know, is through Costco travel, okay? If you haven't heard about Costco travel, you can thank me later, okay? Because it's like three times less than it would have been if I looked, out on, looked online and went up there. So, I say that, right? So we're celebrating. And we go to an, all, it's an all-inclusive resort, okay? I've never been to an all-inclusive resort, but I will always go to an all-inclusive <laughs> resort. The only thing that we had to do, the only thing that we had to figure out was what restaurant we were going to eat at that day. I mean, I remember we would go down to the beach, we'd hang out, we'd be reading, you know, having a blast, we went parasailing. By the time we got back to our room, you know, everything's clean, the bed is made. I mean, we were like, we were living it up. I did not want to go home. I know I have kids. (laughs) And a job. But the kids have (laughs) great-grandparents, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure my work could find somebody to replace me. <laughs> You're right, Jesse, that's just a joke. It's not. <laughs> so we're living it up, we're soaking it up. But you know, towards the end, I really felt that that call back to life, that call back to my kids and my job, it was, it was, more, it was actually more balanced, though, when I got back. It wasn't about getting more done, but being in the moment with my kids, with friends, even with these other responsibilities that I had. There has been a greater balance between working and rest and doing life with people, thinking about what really matters. And just like in my story, James is calling his readers back to a more balanced faith With Christ. But before we jump into the text, I want to set the scene a bit more and focus on focus on who James is writing the letter to. He's writing to first generation messianic Jews. Jewish people who are following the Torah, following the law, striving day in and day out to keep all the rules making sure they were doing this particular thing right, making sure they weren't doing that thing. And it was an impossible thing to do. I mean, it must have been exhausting. I want you you to picture a pendulum, right? The thing that swings from one direction to the other. Because now you have these, these Jewish believers that are now Messianic Jews, but they hear, right, they're living in this section of like, I have to do all these works. I have to do all these things. And now they hear that it's, it's not about trying harder and harder, but that it's about grace and faith and not about works. That all of the law is fulfilled in Christ, that he did all the hard work through his life, death, and resurrection. Imagine the relief that they're feeling when they hear this. I'm picturing them kind of sitting back, kind of sitting back and relaxing, being like, wow, this is the good life. And James, he, he sees this swing happening, and he knows he needs to address it, right? If he wants to see the readers come more like into the middle of the pendulum, right? That's the goal, right? We don't want to be swinging this way. We don't want to be swinging that way. We want to be swinging here, right here in the middle. He doesn't want them to go to the extreme, right, of of all of a sudden being like, well, you're not doing this right, so we need to be striving more and be more and earn the love of God and fall back into that way of thinking. But the truth of the matter, in, in blunt James fashion, right, he says, okay, you lived over here for long enough. There's work God has for you to do. Now, I think it's important that we address the elephant in the room, okay? When you hear the word works, do you just want to just jump up and down with excitement? And you're like, yes, you know what I want to do? I want to work harder. I want to try harder. I want to strive more. Or you might be thinking like, what's works got to do with it? Didn't the Reformation already take care of all that stuff? Fun fact, Martin Luther did not like this section of James. The rumor has it that he actually didn't want it in the Bible at all. And there are still some people today who argue that what James says about faith and works contradicts what Paul says about being saved by faith alone and not by works. So I think the best thing that we need to do is take a look at what Paul had to say about it. And so we're going to be in Ephesians, okay? We're just going to read these few verses here. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. This is what Paul says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, okay? We know this, okay? The evangelical church is all about this, right? We're, we're living in that, in that zone of like, yeah, we don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all for me, and it's true, and it is awesome. And when you are saved and you come into salvation, like, this is how it happens. Through faith, through faith alone, nothing that you did to merit your salvation. But James is saying, I also believe that, okay? But you're living in this part over here, okay? I need you to, I need you to bring it back a little bit. We didn't actually get the full packaged deal here. For in verse 10, it says we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, some translations, for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, you can also think of it as a a cause and effect, um, the natural law of things or really the, the spiritual law of things. When you believe that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not by works, you realize that you are not working for love, but you are working out of love. You are not working for love, you are working out of love. And when you take that on as truth, that's a game changer. James is saying that if you believe that you are saved by grace through faith alone, then you should be looking for opportunities that God has already prepared for you to do. To sum this up a little bit, it really matters what we believe because it will impact what we do. I'll say it a little differently it really matters what we believe because it will impact how we live our lives. So as we move into the text this morning, I want you to have that picture of the pendulum in your head, right? This is really the heart of James, to see these believers and you and me live out this balance of faith and works. Not swinging to one extreme or to the other, faith and works working hand in hand together. James starts us off with a very practical example. You see somebody with a very practical need, or you hear that they have a practical need, and you have the means. In this situation, you have the means to meet this need, to help the person, but you decide instead of helping them, you kind of pull out the super spiritual card, okay? More or less. And say, that you know what? I don't really have time for you, but I'll tell you what, I'll be praying for you. You know, I know you're going through a hard time, but God's got you. I know he's got you, and I'll be praying for that peace and contentment, and then you just kind of like walk away. You know, have you ever been in those, in those conversations with people, and they are talking to you, but they're like looking like everywhere else, like, they're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that, but I think there's somebody else I want to talk to, or there's something more important that it seems that's on their mind that they're like, nah, I got to go. Like, I'd like to help you out, but I'm out of here. We'll see you later. They're thinking more about themselves than about the person in front of them. Like, what good is that, is what James says. How is that showing that you have faith in Jesus? And what's interesting, too, is that when you actually come alongside somebody, it really encourages their faith as well. It doesn't, doesn't meet the physical need. It meets the spiritual need to know that God is using somebody to reach out to them. You know, many people here may have heard this story before already. It's, about, it's a story of the guy whose, whose boat sinks in the middle of the ocean. Right, and he's out there, he's wading in the water, but he has this faith. He says, you know what? God is going to come and save me. So he's out there wading in the water, and, and one boat comes by and says, hey, you need, you, need a, you need a lift? He says, no, 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 no. God is going to save me. This happens two other times. And then eventually a boat doesn't come, and he finds himself in heaven. And he goes, why am I in heaven? And he goes up to God, he goes, hey, I thought that you were supposed to save me. And God says, what do you mean? I tried three times. It's because God uses us to speak in, to be there for people. It's how, this is how God's kingdom works. And you know, James just uses one example, right? A very tangible, practical need. But you could add a bunch of different examples here, right? <laughs> fill, in the, fill, fill in the blank. Finding out that someone has lost a loved one and just simply sitting with them. And being with them, maybe God brings somebody to mind and so so you call them or you text them and just let them know like, hey, I'm thinking about you, what's going on in your life? Or sitting with someone for coffee and just hearing their story. What you believe will impact the way you live your life. And so then James goes on to talk about Abraham, right? Right? talks about Abraham. Abraham is in that hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11. It's found, the story that, that, uh, that James is talking about is found in Genesis 22. When God comes to Abraham and asks him, like, Abraham, I want you to offer up your only son, Isaac, on the altar. And Abraham follows through with this. We read in Genesis 22, 5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. There was something in Abraham that was saying, "Like God, I know that you're asking me to do this thing, but I remember back in the day when you told me, when you gave me a promise that out of my offspring would become, you know, my offspring would be this... The stars in the sky, the sand on the beaches, it would be so big. And so he says, you know what? I believe that God can do this. And Isaac even notices that they have everything for the sacrifice except the actual sacrifice. And Abraham replies, the Lord will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. I mean, at the very least, right? Abraham is at least hoping that God is going to show up. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, right? It's just saying like, I believe that God is going to show up. I don't know exactly how he's going to show up, but I'm going to take that step anyways, and he is going to catch me when I take that step. He's going to meet me right there. And, you know, we've heard it said before that somebody once said regarding faith and obedience that we must trust God with the consequences of Of our obedience. James says, You see, faith was active with his works. And he brings another person from the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? He says, Likewise, Rahab, he starts talking about the story of Rahab, the prostitute from Joshua 2. She had heard about the amazing things that God had done for Israel. She hadn't even met God like Abraham, right? Like, Abraham is the father of faith, but Rahab's like, wow. Like, all I did was hear about God, and I'm about to do something really cool with the faith that I have in God. And from hearing about what God had done, she proclaims, He is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. This is her statement of faith, and what does she do with that? She hides the spies, then tells them to go hide off into the woods while the, while the authorities are still looking for them so they can make it back to their camp and tell Joshua that, yes, we can take this land. And then on the day the Israelites came to take the city, she gathered her family, and she and her family were saved. Physically, they were saved, and Rahab for sure was saved spiritually. But her story doesn't stop there either. It says in Joshua 6.25 that Rahab has lived in Israel to this day. And we actually get some cool information in the genealogy in the book of Matthew about Rahab. You can find cool stuff in the genealogies. It turns out that she married a man from the tribe of Judah. And depending on who you talk to, was the mother or grandmother of Boaz. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. But even better than that, right? She's in the same, same line as Jesus. I mean, talk about redemption. Talk about trusting God with the consequences of our obedience. What we believe will impact the way we live our lives. Now, as we hear these stories, I think that it's important to mention that we are all in a process. I mean, Abraham was in a process learning to live out what he believed about God. It was said that it was 15 years from the time he first got that call from God up to the point where he was offering Isaac up. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of ups and downs in Abraham's life. Like, some great moments and some serious, epic fails. I mean, even in Genesis 12, right, when God calls out Abraham, it just seems like Abraham got it. He's like, oh, I'm, out. I'm leaving Haran. I'm going to go to Canaan. I got this. I got this new God in my life, right? I'm getting to know him. We're like, man, this guy knows exactly what's going on. I wish I could be like that. Less than 10 verses later, though, right, finds himself in front of the king of Pharaoh saying, oh, hey, Uh, yeah, that's not my wife, that's my sister, okay? He's, like, afraid that Pharaoh is going to hurt him and his family, and he's not not trusting God at all, right? And then, suddenly, in Genesis 14, his nephew Lot gets kidnapped by some ruthless king, right? Takes him out of, like, Sodom and Gomorrah area, and Abraham's, like, that's not right. I got to go get him. And we're, like, you know, 100, 300 people, he goes and he gets Lot back and wins this amazing battle. It's like, whoa, he's got it back. He's doing it. And then Genesis 15, Abraham is declared righteous by God for the faith that he has in him. Like, now you know he's got it. Like, he's, he gets it. Next chapter, Abraham sleeps with his servant Hagar. Like, what? What is happening here? This can't be it, man. This is a righteous man. What is he doing? He's in this process. You know, his marriage is all messed up at that point, right? Sarah's upset about this idea. What happened? The new baby. And it's just like, I don't know. But then in Genesis 18, Abraham intercedes for Lot. He knows God's heart, right? He's like, no, you do not want to destroy everybody, right? What if there's a righteous person in there? And he stands in the gap. And then in Genesis 22, it's almost like this culmination of this whole process of life. And he steps out and he says, I believe in the promises of God in my life. And I will stand firm in that. And I will trust God in the consequences of my obedience. You know, we don't even know how long it took for Rahab to take hold of her faith. Being that she was still called Rahab the prostitute, it might not have been until she actually met the spies for the first time that she actually began walking out her faith in such a way. We are all in a process. I've been a Christian now for almost 15 years, and there are days that I think that I am doing it well. And there are days that I know that I am not doing it well. I want you to know that you are not alone in this process. That's why God has created this community, created a community of believers to come alongside each other, to look out for each other, say, what is going on in your life? Even this week, I mean, sometimes I have hard times like getting a message together, but this week was crazy. Maybe it was the snow, maybe because the kids were off of school, my schedule's all mixed up, but I was like hitting a block. You know, Joel reached out to me but even before that, right, I'm like, God, where are you? Like, I need you. I'm supposed to be able to hear from you, know what's going on here, so I can tell everybody about it, right? And so I'm like, I'm not hearing anything. Then it's like, I get a text message from Joel. Hey, how's the message going? And it's like, you know what? I can sit with you, and we can, like, go through this. I'm like, phew, that's great. Someone else texts me, says, hey, you know, I, I know you're preaching this week. You know, is there anything I can be praying for? And I'm like, could you actually read this passage and tell me what it means? I'm like, that would, that would be pretty cool. I love, I love that. You know, they worked in my life in a big way this week, coming along side me. So yes, what you believe will impact how you live your life. Ask yourself this week where you fall on this pendulum. Are you swinging further to one side than the other side? And depending on where you are, Maybe you need to just simply take a deep breath and rest in the fact that there is nothing that you can do to prove your love to God. Or perhaps you have been resting long enough and this morning God is stirring something in you. Ask God to open the door for opportunities to walk your faith out. Let's pray. Father, we are again grateful for this time, Lord. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you save us into uh, an amazing community of believers, God. I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would cont- continuously stir in their hearts who it is that you are, God, how it is that you have created them, and just the opportunities that you have created for them in advance, Lord. I pray for those, Lord, that do need to rest, that need to simply dwell in and uh, just uh, meditate on the fact that they are loved no matter what they do. And I pray for those, Lord, that, that have been resting, that, are, that you are stirring them this morning, Lord, to, to act on what it is that you are saying to them. I pray, Lord, that you will meet them where they are right now, that you meet them as they take those steps of faith. And that they'll be able to give testimony, Lord, to how it is that you met, how it is that we can trust you with the consequences of our obedience, Lord. And so we give you this day, we give you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel rooted in God's Word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.